0: Welcome to the Catholic Economics Podcast. I'm your host, Levi Russell, and today is September 17th, 2020. So today I want to talk a little bit about the social media uh, sphere and I guess big media in general, Silicon Valley, uh, and and some of the economic theory that we use to assess these, uh, these different areas. So what I find interesting is that there is a lot of defense of the uh, these these large companies and their activities uh, on the on the basis of certain economic theories. And what what really got me going on this was a recent video featuring Josh Hawley, uh, kind of <laughs> putting putting a Google employee through the ringer uh, based on their uh their their ability to influence the the ad markets and i hopefully you're familiar with the the issue with the federalist uh this libertarian website that wasn't moderating their comments section and google google pulled their ads because of things people were saying in the comments uh, they, they told uh, the federalists that basically they had to moderate their comments section or put it on a different page or something like that just do something weird uh, so that uh, they, they could run Google ads on their platform and then of course you know this this uh, brings into question all kinds of things with Google because you know they, they operate on both sides of the market and uh, so there's lots of anti-competitive sort of uh, uh, things going on there. So, but in general, when we're talking about this type of uh, issue, we're talking about antitrust, we're talking about um, companies' ability to influence markets, and, and how we are going to deal with that. The the standard idea from I would say the liberal the liberal world of economics is to is to say that well, uh, you know, competition. Is, is going to solve this. And so what we need are, are sort of pro-competitive uh, legal uh, interventions. So in other words, a lack of intervention. In other words, um, different types of uh, uh, policies designed to merely uh, encourage competition. And, and the reason for this is because the idea goes that if we have, uh, if companies are profit maximizers, then what they're going to do is they're going to behave in a way that, uh, maximizes their profit. And that will, uh, and that, that goal of theirs will result in a, a, a competitive marketplace. And so when, when you have, um, relatively few firms giving you uh, a certain product or, or whenever you find relatively few firms uh, controlling a market or even just one uh, firm then the idea is that well this will be this will be uh, uh, almost guaranteed, maybe not 100% guaranteed, but almost guaranteed to be uh, because that firm is just so good at producing the uh, the product that uh, the public um, has basically chosen them as the only one or or chosen a few of them as the only ones and so this again this rests on this idea of profit maximization uh, that's that's what the fundamental model is built on and I think I think the problem with this uh, is that in in even if we take that particular thing as true, right? So just assume the framework, assume that, um, that, that profit maximization in a competitive market will lead to, uh, the appropriate number of firms, uh, and those firms will be at the mercy of the, uh, the, the customer. Okay. Uh, so consumer sovereignty and this, this type of philosophical stuff. So assume that's true. Uh, so the question then, I think that we need to ask is: Are these companies um, are are these companies actually profit maximizers? And I would say that that's probably not the case. And 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 I think there's very good reason to believe this. The these companies are uh, <laughs> they are so there's a point where a company is so profitable that um, they they sort of turn to other goals. And I think there's plenty of examples that, that make this point. So, the these firms have, and again, you know, probably through the the lack of wisdom of uh, of the government, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up a video. Uh, it's a rather long discussion, but it includes Luigi Zingali's, and, and I think he he makes some really good points in this uh, kind of debate slash discussion uh, about. Uh, the way property rights have worked in the digital world and the, the somewhat poor decisions of these regulators at the behest of some of these companies. So obviously in some cases uh, you know, we, we do have issues with the government get just sort of having bad policy and that are exacerbating these issues. But I think even uh, in the absence of that uh, and, and, I think we have some issues here uh, that are are creating s- significant problems. So, for instance, and it, just it's it's good to give an example here. So we have lately, the social media uh, is really concerned about quote unquote the uh, integrity of elections. Okay, and so anytime, uh, for instance, on Facebook, anytime, and they're really crazy about this. Anytime you post something that is not uh, that it's not uh, sort of respectful of the standard narrative uh, then your, your post gets crawled by this uh, this algorithm and they they i guess manually to an extent right they they create these fact checks okay so so facebook has this list of fact checkers and the, the fact checkers are going to make sure that the memes and the 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 things you say on facebook are not uh, inaccurate because of course we can't have inaccurate things being said on facebook we have to have accurate things being said on there and this of course this is <laughs> this comes about uh, partly by the the whole Uh, like Snopes treating the Babylon Bee as if it's, uh, you know, intending to be a legitimate news outlet and all this sort of thing. But what's interesting here is that Facebook is so Facebook will tell you, okay, your your post is wrong. So we've added some kind of clarification. We've added a fact check, and and in more extreme cases, they'll just flat out take it down, or they'll ban you, or they'll give you a timeout. They'll suspend your account for a certain period of time, uh, and so sometimes it's it's a pretty significant thing. And this is what Zingali's talks about in uh, in that debate, which I which I think you should watch. It's about an hour, about an hour hour and a half long with all the Q and A, uh, but it's really good. And totally worth it in my mind. The uh, so so Facebook does this right. So is this a is this part of a profit maximization strategy that Facebook has? Of course not. Uh, Facebook wants to influence uh, the discussion. They want to influence debate. And so even before this big push with all this fact checking stuff, uh, they, you know, they they would go through and, and uh, remove content and stuff like that um, that supposedly was uh, you know not uh, legitimate and mark zuckerberg the ceo of of facebook um came out recently and said that uh you know they're very concerned about elections and and we just we need to make sure that uh you know even if the uh the initial vote count is wrong we need to or or you know if, even if the initial vote count um is is uh, indicative one direction we need to wait and make sure that they count everything and it's like I mean, are you are you are you operating on behalf of the Democratic Party? I mean, it's so ridiculous. Um, we saw this with Google. I mean, they had they had this big um, this big pity session after Trump was elected, and then uh, I think it was Breitbart that leaked it out, and you could just see all these engineers and. All these Google people just absolutely crying about uh, Trump being elected. And, and in that discussion, in that little struggle session they had, they talked about the fact that they were going to uh, try to make sure that this didn't happen again. They were going to promote election integrity, right? Which is just their euphemism for, uh, you know, sort of illegally impacting elections. Uh, you look at YouTube and their censorship. So, YouTube, uh, I, I think I think they will censor left wing accounts sometimes, and, and sometimes they're just really haphazard with the stuff they take down. But there certainly is a an attempt by YouTube to silence uh, right wing dissent from the narrative, uh, and 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 this is uh, something that they do almost like a almost as a hobby. Uh, And it's not, again, there's no push by regulators. In fact, the push by regulators is the other direction. The push by regulators is to say, look, uh, if you're going to, well, I'll, I'll get to that here in a minute, but what, what YouTube does is they will, they will. Uh, ban you. They'll remove channels. They've removed all kinds of people's channels. They, they took away uh, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones' channel um, and, and many, many others. And and I know uh, YouTubers who are really nervous about their monetization going away because they they say things that the platform doesn't like. And And in every case, the things that they say that the platform doesn't like are always stuff that leans our direction against the sort of Prog liberal narrative, and so so what's going on here? Well, YouTube itself, as a subsidiary, as a subsidiary of Google, uh, it, it it pulls in a lot of ad revenue. Okay, and the primary way it does this is through just silly videos, right? Like people skateboarding or, uh, you know, little kids watching, you know, PewDiePie play video games or something, right? That's how they make money. And the, the, the news or the commentary sphere of YouTube, while it might seem large to a, a lot of us who are really interested in that stuff is it's relatively small, uh, because compared to all this other just sort of like, you know, neutral, non-political, uh, you know, just having fun type of content. And the the issue with this is that uh, the, what, what that allows them to do is essentially to uh, uh, take the profit from the silly, you know, whatever videos, the fun stuff, and... Essentially, cross subsidize a different division of their business that allows them to censor and spend a lot of time and managerial energy um, and money on censoring the uh, the political side. So this is not profit maximization, right? Profit maximization would have them treating all the content roughly the same. They wouldn't care what you said. They just they would they would put ads if you may if you met the hurdles. And I think the hurdles are like. I don't know, you have to have like a 1,000 subscribers and you have to have 4,000 hours of public watch content, right? So the point is they're just trying to make sure your channel is going to be productive enough for them to bother to put ads on it. Um, And so the issue is that this is obviously not profit maximization in the case of YouTube. What they're doing is they're cross-subsidizing their political agenda with – Uh, profits, uh, obscene profits, (laughs) ridiculous profits from uh, this other sort of normal content. And so there's a real challenge here because this this is not a profit maximizing behavior. This is not um, some kind of consumer mindset. And when you do have alternatives, there are alternatives. But this is another thing that the social media companies do, which, again, does not comport with uh, consumer sovereignty, uh, profit profit maximization, et cetera. It is an obvious attempt for them to influence uh, policy and to maintain their grip. So, uh, in the little debate discussion that I that I'm going to link to here in a, here in a bit, or here here in the, the show notes, uh, I actually asked a question of the people on the stage, and I, specifically I asked Jim uh about. The, the this whole idea that there are going to be all these alternatives right That oh we just haven't we just gotta wait you know it's sort of like the build your own YouTube you know Ben Shapiro nonsense right we'll, we'll we're just gotta wait for someone else to come up with this alternative that's going to be so much better blah 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 and I mentioned to him I was like look we we have had people try this, you know. Gab was fairly successful. Still, maybe is. I mean, they're still operating. Um, you know, people are on there. They've had to they've had to do all kinds of stuff just to barely stay alive. Um, and 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 what I told them was like, look, what happens is the the media, and of course, encouraged by these large businesses, and amplified by uh, YouTube and Twitter and all this stuff, just absolutely shriek. Uh, you know, Nazi, 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 yet everyone who dares to try to create an alternative platform who isn't already bought in on this sort of, you know, Silicon Valley consensus about political reality. And so you have, you have alternatives like BitChute and Gab that, that will try to uh, uh, provide this alternative. But now, of course, what happens whenever they provide this alternative is the, the, the most censored voices come first, right? To those platforms. And that gives the media a lot of ammunition to tell normal people that they should be really scared of Gab and they should be really scared, uh, of, of these other companies, uh, that, 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 and bit shoot that, that attempt to make a go of, of providing an alternative. And of course, people like Shapiro, et cetera, all just pair at the talking points, right? Oh, they're just full of Nazis. Oh, they're all evil, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so, it it could be the case that, uh, you know, Pethokoukas might have a point about this whole idea of, um, you know, providing an alternative. If, if the, if those companies were not committed to some kind of political, uh, political chicanery, right? The reality is because there is this political nonsense that, uh, that uh, YouTube and all these other ones are, committed to they will they will never let uh, organizations like gab and bit shoot um, go without a massive amount of opposition and so again this is not competitive this is not a competitive environment right this is um this is a a, a political goal uh, that they're and they're using politics to um uh, to, to, uh, and, they're, and they're colluding with the media okay, to get there, um, to, to shut down competitors. So it's pretty obvious. And so I'm going to talk about Section 230 here in just a second. But first, uh, I want to talk about today's sponsor. So one of the main themes of this show is supporting Catholic businesses. And thanks to cabinrugs.com, you can do that while making your living room a more comfy place to be. Cabin Rugs are manufactured right here in the U.S., which means they're helping to create jobs here at home, and they're producing a high-quality product. Cabin Rugs is home to the largest collection of cabin, Native American, and Mesa-inspired rugs online. They have rugs runners and even large area rugs. Join me in supporting this fantastic Catholic business. Log on to cabinrugs.com to browse their collection today. So I think one of the things that would solve some of this is this whole idea of the, the of rescinding uh, Section 230. And there's basically Section 230 allows uh, these, these companies, these social media companies, to have the best of both worlds. They have all of the rights of a platform, but none of the responsibility, or excuse me, they, excuse me, what is it? They have all of the rights of a publisher, but they only have the responsibilities of a platform. There we go what that means is that they are able to uh, uh censor content and decide who uh, who is allowed to say uh what they what the, you know what whatever is agreeable to the platform okay so in that sense they're acting like a publisher right they're they're deciding what content can be made while at the same time they are operating as a platform in the sense that they aren't legally responsible for any of the things that are said, uh, uh, in their platform. So normally if you have a publisher like the New York times, okay, so they, they have an editorial staff. And they have to be really careful about what they say because the, um, because, because if they, if they defame somebody or whatever, then they're legally liable for that. Okay. But So they, so they aren't a platform. They aren't a neutral platform. They aren't a public, the public square. Okay. But the thing is with YouTube and all these other organizations, they get to moderate to extreme degrees. I mean, they use algorithms to make sure that you're not even saying certain words. And we saw this with the affliction and the fact that I'm calling it the affliction for Pete's sake just tells you how ridiculous this is. I I mean, you you have to, you can't say the C word, uh, uh, when you talk about the, the affliction that is uh, affecting the entire world so much right now. The, so they, they use algorithms to police content, to, to shut down any kind of discussion of these things that are not officially approved. I mean, we, we've seen tons of examples of this, of doctors uh, voicing opposition to certain decisions by the World Health Organization or the CDC or whatever. And then the social media platforms just shut them down. Um, and so again, would, would the average customer want to hear that stuff Would the average person jumping on YouTube, want to see a diversity of opinion on some of these issues, probably so. So is that consumer sovereignty driving them to silence everyone? That's not a part of the official narrative, or is it a political thing? Is it profit maximization or is it them wielding economic power to control discussions? And of course, you know, I'm not this is not a this is not a oh, free speech is great uh, discussion. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that. Uh, but what I am saying is that we need to preserve our ability to talk publicly about stuff uh, when we are in the minority in terms of um, in terms of uh, the discussion, the debate. So, um, in that case, in this case, we need to be able to say the things that we want to say. And the fact that these people are keeping us from doing so calls for a policy response. It calls for guys like Josh Hawley, uh, senators like Josh Hawley coming out and opposing Google and, uh, it calls for uh, the initiation of antitrust action against them uh, and and that sort of thing. It's the only way that we're going to be able to, uh, you know, sort of normalize the types of ideas that uh, we have. So with that, thanks for listening. I appreciate your feedback. Please contact me via social media, whether that's Facebook. I've got all that stuff linked. Facebook, Twitter, uh, check out the Leonine Institute for Catholic Social Teaching. We just put out our first issue with the magazine a couple of weeks ago, and I'd really be happy if you would download that. It's free. It's a, it's a PDF. And um, if you want to contribute, I've got some donation goals up there that uh, if we if we are able to crowdfund this thing into a uh, paper magazine or at least into an EPUB where you can read it on your phone or on your reader uh, more easily, uh, I'd love to do that, but I've I, I got to have the funds to do it. So please check out that, uh, that crowdfund page on uh, the Institute's website. If you'd like to support this show, uh, you can check out Patreon or Subscribestar links in the description. Uh, if you're on the uh, Anchor app, you can also click to support there. And uh, in the show notes of uh, any other uh, audio platform, there's, a, there's a, a button to support. So thanks again. And I appreciate all of your interest in this. Hit me up on social media if you want to talk about stuff. My DMs are open on Twitter. Have a great week.